Hello everybody, it's Pastor Adam again and uh, got a fresh word today and let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get into this. Father, we thank you for today and we ask for your continued blessings and guidance. Uh, Father, we're asking for words of knowledge, gifts of the Spirit to overflow, fruit of the Spirit to overflow. Father, we come to you humbly and Repent of the things and the areas where we've missed the mark, Father. Uh, And we thank you for showing us what the mark is through your word and through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his matchless and mighty name we come to you today. Amen. So, uh, you know, this is the, this will be the first message of 2024 that I give. And I remember when, you know, this time of year when we were, we were uh, pastoring Freedom Destiny Church, which we founded. Um, we would start in January with, a th- with three weeks of prayer, fasting, and giving. And it, it, it would conclude at the end of the three weeks with a, we'd, everybody would bring food. We'd have a big feast and we'd conclude it with a special offering to put God first as we begin this calendar year. Now, you may not realize this, but it's a very real challenge. I found this. Maybe that's not for others, but for me, being a pastor, and I, uh, I would give messages every week, and almost every year I'd do that. Um, and it was a challenge to present the scriptures in a fresh and challenging way, you know, week after week. When you're teaching and preaching and pastoring, you know, people. And every week to come up with, you know, this idea, I, I believed I had to come up with, you know, fresh meat, new meat to, for the people to chew on, digest. And for me, it was, I took this very seriously. And I admit there were more times than I even want to admit that I was nervous that I might not be pleasing God, that I might not be doing my best, that I would be just getting by. But what, you know what always gave me peace was sharing about the opportunity to put God first by praying, fasting, and giving. It's like, this is like a fresh start for everybody. You could always do this. There's always, you can always have a fresh start. I think it's incredible how our world is set up. We have this cycle, it's called a day. And every day is a fresh start. It's serious. And you know, then when you get a, a fresh month or a new year, that same principle applies. In other words, I think God is reminding us that, you know, all these these things we're going to talk about here are needed in the lives of all of his children. So that's how I'm going to begin today. And and right off the bat, I'm just going to say it. How is your prayer life? When, When do you pray? Now, you know, through my experience, I've, I've, watched and listened. I I came up with a list of different types of prayer. I call one prayer the 911 prayer. That's the type of prayer we make to God when we have an emergency because we've kind of rationalized that we don't want to trouble God unless we have an emergency. It's as if God serves as our divine spare tire when one area of our life goes flat. That's what I call the 911 type of prayer. Then another type of prayer is what I call the Jiminy Cricket prayer. You know, that kind of prayer when you, when you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are, anything your heart desires will come your way. 
See, this is the type of prayer that we envision God like a cosmic grandfather. Okay, and then, then don't forget this type of prayer, which I call the Monty Hall prayer. It begins like this, God, let's make a deal. I'll make an agreement with you, God, and give you something if you come through for me, but you come through for me first. Okay, or this type of prayer, I call the Aladdin's lamp prayer. This prayer is based upon the deep belief that if you just rub God the right way, he's gonna magically be at your service. It's as if we treat God like he's a cosmic bellhop. Then don't forget this type of prayer. I call it the lottery prayer. This is the prayer that we claim it can't hurt to try, and by golly, we just might hit the jackpot. And finally, there's the Guinness prayer. Now, this prayer is called the Guinness prayer because it's usually a very long-worded prayer and even sometimes the loudest prayer. So you get the Guinness Book of World Records, right, for the loudest and the longest prayer. Now, I got to admit, disclaimer, I was just trying to add a little humor to make sure we're all just lightened up a bit, get a little bit of laughter. Okay, but seriously, we, I would, we, we and Candace and the ministry we led is called Freedom Destiny. We would practice and teach fasting, prayer, and giving as a lifestyle. This should be part of our lifestyle as a Christian. It's our, the way our worldview should be through this lens of, teach, of fasting, giving, and praying. And I believe it's that way because simply when I go through all of scripture, I believe this is the th- one, some of the main threads through all of scripture that it teaches us. Now, fasting in our uh, Western American culture of you know fast food joints, microwave oven stuff, everything's gotta be fast, you know, ice cream places, all the desserts, anything you want, donuts, all this stuff. This is not a popular topic. But what does the Bible tell us about fasting? What are, the, what are the values? What are the benefits of fasting? What happens, in other words, in the unseen realm when we are praying and fasting? You know, many times in Scripture, the call for fasting usually comes during desperate times. One particular time is in the book of Esther. We'll see how... Fasting and prayer prayer provided for the well-being of the Jewish people. You know, summarize here, Esther was an orphan, right? She was kind of adopted by her cousin Mordecai, who belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. Now, Mordecai was a palace official in the city of Susa, which is in Persia at that time. It's the royal city. It's in today's what we call Iran. That's where they were. And the Persians had taken the Jews into captivity and they were ruled by the iron fist of King Xerxes. When his queen Vashti refused to give a fashion parade before you know, him, he had drunk a little bit. He was kind of drunk and all his buddies were drunk and he asked his wife to do a fashion show. Uh, she denied, wouldn't do it. And so he dethroned her. He got rid of her. And after his long search was done, the scriptures tell us in the book of Esther, he chooses Esther to become his next queen. Now, Esther's a Jew in a Persian, with a Persian, a non-Jew king. And she kept her being a Jew. She didn't tell anybody. Nobody knew she was Jew, a Jew that's in the capital or that's in this, you know, the kingdom there. Now, this other character named Haman, he was the second in command to King Xerxes. He hated the Jews. 
And he was able to persuade the king to sign a law that would destroy all the Jews living in his kingdom. Now, after hearing this decree, Mordecai, right? Remember, he's the the cousin who's kind of adopted Esther as his daughter. He appealed to Esther and said, will you go to the king and make a case to save the Jewish people? Now, Esther told Mordecai that she's a little bit nervous about doing this, kind of reluctant to enter into the king's presence without being summoned because it could mean her death if the king didn't grant her entrance. It was against the law in Persia to do that. So here's the response, the very famous and well-known response Mordecai gives to Esther, recorded in Esther chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. He says this, the scriptures tell us, do not think, Esther, that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Now, from Esther's point of view, she's probably thinking that she was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, have you ever felt that way? You know, things like, how did I ever get myself into such a situation? Well, Esther's in this situation, and she was challenged to take action. Her adopted father, Mordecai, asked her, what are you waiting for, Esther? Now, have you ever been in a situation similar, right? Have you ever felt you needed to take action, but said to yourself, well, I'm going to get to that one of these days. Or, you know, how about if you've experienced a broken relationship and said, well, you know, in due time, I'll I'll get around to making things right. Here's the reality. The longer you put it off, the harder it gets. Mordecai's advice to Esther is very good advice for all of us. Now is the time to seize the moment. Have you ever noticed how quickly we can find excuses or rationalizations to not take action or to, you know, change certain behavior? We'd say things like, well, you know, if I was in a better place or, you know, I'd do this a little better. I'd be a better person if these things weren't going on. Or, you know, if I would have had better parents or if I'd have a better job, or if I wasn't, you know, so sick, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we'd rationalize, well, I'd be better. I'd be a better person. Well, I contend that this is a great moment at the beginning of a new year to take action and make, make adjustments in our lifestyles. And in other words, look at these things as opportunities to embrace your maturing in life to please God. Because that's why we're here, to please God, to do his will. And so in this story with Esther, she does the right thing and sends this message back to Mordecai. It's recorded in Esther chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. She tells Mordecai, hey, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, after three days, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Now, let's just do a recap of what is going on here in this incident with Esther and Mordecai. In these scriptures, we're told 
through the life of this woman, Esther, we are shown this pattern and thread that's woven throughout scripture, that spiritual power kind of comes from God in an answer to prayer and fasting. In other words, when God's people give themselves to fasting and praying, it's as if the miraculous is made possible. Now it doesn't, hear me here, it doesn't guarantee it, but apparently it makes it possible according to scriptures. It's, it's a, here's how I look at this. It's, a, it's as if, it's like we are doing all we can do and, and we submit to God's will and accept what comes, but we should rest easy and have peace in the fact that we did what we could do, which is pray and fast. And at the end of three days, the king received Esther and granted her request and made a way for the Jewish people to be saved. Now, there's a lot more to that story. I'm just, I just summarized it very quickly. There's a lot more. It's a very interesting story. I believe it's only, if I remember right, it's only nine chapters. And the, the book of Esther is a, a wonderful read. And it's a great analogy of the whole picture of God. There's all the characters are in it. God, his son, Jesus, uh, the Satan. Oh, yeah. Now, all those characters are in this story. It's an excellent summation. And you know what? It's the only book, if I remember correctly, that doesn't even have the name of God in it. Yet, it's one of the rare moments in the entire, in a whole book that it gives the whole story, summarizes good versus evil and who wins out. And then Haman, right, this character that's really basically the Satan, was executed and Mordecai was appointed to take his place as the new prime minister. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool. It's because Mordecai's like the character of Jesus. Here, here are, okay, so that's one example. Here are a few other spiritual truths, examples I can give us of praying, fat, prayer and fasting. How about when Moses stood on the mountain before God to receive the 10 commandments, God had called him to a time of fasting. He fasted for 40 days. In Isaiah chapter 58, King Uzziah died after 52 years of effective leadership. After his death, the nation went into a time of confusion and bewilderment. Well, the prophet Isaiah called the people to prayer and fasting. How about in the story of Jonah, right? The city of Nineveh believed the message of the prophet Jonah and prepared for the coming judgment of God by doing what? By repenting and fasting, right? How about King Jehoshaphat? He was surrounded by his enemies and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Through fasting and prayer, God gave Jehoshaphat victory. Or remember when Nehemiah was used mightily by the Lord, right? Nehemiah had been praying and fasting before he went back to Jerusalem to start on the wall, to build the wall. Those scriptures and many others suggest several reasons, reasons fasting and praying are necessary. Let me just say, such as these, to strengthen prayer, right? To seek God's guidance, to seek deliverance and protection, to express repentance and a return to God. How about to humble ourselves before the Lord? How about to express concern for the work of God? How about to minister to others that are in need? How about to overcome temptation and dedicate ourselves to God? How about to express love and worship to God? In other words, what I'm trying to get across is there's a relationship between this physical act of obedience, of praying and fasting, that somehow in a spiritual sense releases favor and blessings. Prayer and fasting is, is one example 
of this physical act of obedience and spiritual phenomenon of God's blessing. Another type of this physical obedience that brings spiritual blessings is when Moses raised his hands in obedience during the battle with the Amalekites. That's recorded for us in Exodus 17. In that example, what we read in those scriptures in that story is when Moses' hands were raised up to the heavens, when he'd raised his hands up, Joshua, who was leading the army of the Hebrews, right? They were advancing and winning the battle against the Amalekites. But if Moses' hands came down, then the Amalekites were winning the battle against the Hebrews. Also in this event, right? There's this wonderful physical act of support for Moses, for the shepherd, where, where Aaron and her, two of these right-hand men of Moses, they'd help Moses keep his hands up because he was getting tired. It's like in the unseen realm, the angels were attacking when Moses' hands were up in obedience to what God told him. And when Moses' hands fell down, it's like the angels backed off and retreated. Uh, and that's you're right. Another example of what I'm talking about is in the book of Hebrews chapter one. It says that angels are sent out on behalf of those who inherit salvation. It also says that these angels are sent out as spirits ministering flames of fire. So in the unseen realm, God is using these angelic ministering spirits when we have a corresponding physical act of obedience. We don't see it. It's in the unseen realm. But in the spiritual sense, that's what's manifesting. This, in other words, what I'm trying to get at is this whole thing is less of you and more of God. And you know when you get there to that place? Well, to God be the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, from a biblical perspective, fasting is not a diet, folks. Fasting is not primarily for physical reasons. It is for spiritual reasons. I won't deny, there are some physical benefits of fasting, but that's not why we do it. It's for spiritual reasons. Fasting is not something we do to merit God's favor. Fasting is a step of obedience, people. Fasting does not get from God what he's reluctant to give us. Fasting is not a way to punish ourselves for our sins and earn God's forgiveness. See, when we fast, we forsake physical pleasure to better focus on the spiritual things of God. When we fast, we acknowledge Christ's lordship in our lives. When we fast, we are seeking God's will be done, not ours. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right? See, when we fast, we are thanking God for his presence. When, when we fast and pray, we have the assurance that God does hear and answer a prayer. Now, now the, the answer that God gives may be yes. Right? And it might be an immediate yes. Or, or it might be a delayed yes and, and, and loon, in line with God's timing and not ours. And it might not even be a yes. It could be a no because God has a better journey for us. But, but I hope what I'm saying today is sinking in and making sense. You're smelling, you're smelling what I'm cooking. Let me pause here with a little short story. There was this five-year-old boy, let's call him Johnny. Johnny was an only child. 
Now he went to his father and he says, Daddy, I want a baby brother. What can you do to help me? Well, Johnny, you know, he's starting to learn things. He had heard some talk around the house about a new little bundle that was going to be arriving soon. So his father, after Johnny said this, perceived that the time was right to take this as an opportunity to teach his son about the value of prayer. He said, son, I tell you what, if you'll start praying that God will give you a baby brother, I guarantee you that you'll have a baby brother in just two months. Obviously, dad knew something that Johnny didn't know, okay? So Johnny, you know, accepted the challenge and went to his bedroom early that night and began praying for a baby brother. Johnny prayed for one month, but during this month of prayer, he had been talking to other adults in the neighborhood and found out that this kind of timing of just two months for a baby brother had never happened in the history of their neighborhood. He says, you know, you don't just pray for a couple months and whammo, your new baby brother appears. So Johnny stopped praying for a baby brother. Well, at the end of the two-month period, Johnny's mother did go to the hospital. When she came home, the parents called Johnny to the bedroom to, to surprise Johnny with his answer to prayer. So Johnny like runs into the bedroom, not expecting to see anything, but oh my gosh, there's this little bundle lying right next to his mother. And daddy pulls back the blanket and there were twins. He had two baby brothers. Johnny's daddy looked at him and said, now, aren't you glad you prayed, Johnny? Johnny paused a little bit, stared at his dad and said, well, yeah, but aren't you glad that I quit when I did? Now, that was an attempt at humor. I hope you got it. Okay, so back to fasting and praying. So what, are, what really are the scriptural reasons to fast? Well, if we're Christians, Jesus expects his followers to fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Verses 16 through 18, Jesus is speaking here and he says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces and that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Or in Luke chapter 5, verses 33 and 35, Scripture says these guys were asking Jesus questions and they said to him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise those of the Pharisees, but your disciples eat and drink? Jesus said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Okay, so there are at least two examples of Jesus declaring we will fast and the bridegroom has been has departed. He's not with us right now. So this is a period when we fast. We need to be fasting in our lives. It's periodically. This should be part of our lifestyle, part of our routine. See, fasting is a way to improve our spiritual walk with the Lord. We fast to delay gratification of physical desires to enhance our spiritual desires. And it doesn't come naturally to us. This this is not easy at first if you've never fasted. Nothing, honestly, comes easy at first, but if we will just begin, it will become a part of how we live. F fasting is like, you know, there's so many things I can use to equate it. It's like, you know, cleaning up your computer. Every so often, we got to clean up 
our hard drive and get some form of uh, computer virus protection, right? During, doing that enhances the function of our computers. Or think about your automobiles. You got you to gotta change the oil, right? If you don't, it's going to break down and not work right. You need fresh oil. Praying and fasting are necessary to get our lives in proper order and receive spiritual breakthroughs. Praying and fasting helps us to clarify and focus our attention on spiritual goals instead of natural goals. The purpose of prayer and fasting is to humble ourselves before God in such a way that we get in a right relationship with Him and with others. We need to remember that it's more important to fast from sin than it is to fast from food. During times of fasting, we have time to reflect on the important things in life. Because, as I mentioned last week's message, time is precious. We don't want to waste it. The time you have with your loved ones is too precious to waste constantly arguing and complaining and bickering about non-essentials. We need to be doing everything we can to live in harmony, harmony with our family and with loved ones. Prayer and fastings assist us in making good memories. During this time, ask God to examine your heart and show you how you can do a better job at encouraging your relationships. Look at ways, folks, to build people up, not tear them down. Praying and fasting will help us to remember it's not what happens to us, but rather how we respond that's important. Every day we will face challenges that are unpleasant. Look at every challenge as an opportunity to respond in love and grow in spiritual maturity. All right then, let's be reminded of the many benefits to fasting suggested in the Bible. Fasting intensifies our desire to pray. Fasting deepens humility. Fasting helps us cultivate an attitude of humility, folks. Fasting encourages perseverance in prayer. Fasting increases our delight in God's answers. Fasting intensifies concentration when we're praying. Fasting amplifies our faith. Fasting creates a new openness to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And fasting defeats the power of Satan and gives spiritual victories. Those are just some of of the reasons and benefits of why fasting should be part of our lifestyle. I mean, if you haven't figured it out yet, the primary purpose for praying and fasting is to draw closer to God. To enhance, in other words, your God encounter. Now, I don't find anywhere in scripture where God's word commands fasting, but the scripture teaches that fasting is a freedom to be enjoyed by serious seekers after righteousness. Like we just read, Jesus says, when you fast. I mean, I guess you could say that that's a commandment. Some could, and I don't disagree with that to a degree, but I also just say God never tends to force us to do anything. He gives us incredible suggestions uh, and that will benefit us. And if we don't do things, he goes, this is going to curse you. So I look at this as one of these things that is a benefit. And I want to encourage us to all look at this as a benefit. And it's a way to help increase our righteousness, increase our faith. Remember that Moses fasted 40 days and nights on Mount Sinai. Sinai. Elijah fasted on Mount Horeb. Jesus fasted in the wilderness while being tempted. And in each instance, these fasts were tied into a mighty work of God affecting both individuals and nations. So during any period of prayer and fasting, there are several areas to focus our prayers on. This isn't all of them, but these are just some. Prayer that, this is things we should focus on. Pray that God's will be done 
and they will, that we will have peace with that. Pray for our families. Pray for your local shepherd and ministry teams. Pray for others in your church family. Pray for people in your community to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Pray for those going on the mission field serving around the globe. Pray for world evangelism. Pray for our spiritual maturity as individuals, as a church body, as a community, and as a nation. Now, there are are a number of different fasts you can choose from to consider. You know, fast all food and only drink water or juice. That's one way. You can just fast all foods and only drink water, right? You can choose to skip a meal, right? Or maybe eat only one time a day. Or you can choose to abstain from certain food items, you know, sweets, desserts, uh, certain kind of drinks like soda, coffee, you know, just eliminate those things. And here's the reality of what will happen if you do this. It's very normal to encounter a headache during the first 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Our bodies, what's going on is our body are detoxing and getting rid of many impurities during this time. That's why it's good for our bodies physically, right? But here's the deal about a fast. It has to be, you have to abstain from some kind of food or drink, right? Now I've encouraged, because the entire time that we started in 2006, when we started Freedom Destiny, in addition to food and drink, I encourage people to fast from things like television, uh, social media. Oh gosh, do I ever. <laughs> but not only those. You, you have to have some kind of food or drink in a fast. You've got to de- deter the physical body. And I want us to, you just seriously need to evaluate some things that might be an idol in your life. And, and here's the challenge. Deny your body that thing. You can do that. what's called the Daniel Fest. It's right out of the book of Daniel, which is mainly fruits and vegetables only. Now, I can't say this enough, but God is not a hard taskmaster and does not command us to fast. He encourages us to fast and teaches us to fast. But you know what? We have a free will. God prefers that we choose to obey him. He could command us and order us, but he wants us to follow his guidance willingly. We choose to fast as a way to draw closer to the Lord and exercise self-discipline and self-denial to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Many of you know of times in your past where you know you did lots of things, but nothing seemed to change. You made all these, but nothing seemed to change. You know, you try this, that, and the other, but nothing would change. I'm, I'm here to tell you once again, if you're truly committed, you cannot pray and fast and remain the same. So I want to encourage you to commit to begin 2024 honoring God first in our lives with a period of praying and fasting. God bless you all.